only a few times in my life as a friend looked at me like I'm completely insane. And that shot, you shot me a look that was like, is Henry alright? Zero credits. seen my sunglasses? No, son. Have you seen my dad glasses? And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we start every episode of a horrible joke. My name's Henry. And my name's John. And together we're Henry and John coming at you to talk about things. You thought I wasn't going to say it, but I did. Finally, we're, uh, we've converged the timelines and now we can move forward. There are timelines? Yeah. You create a separate timeline with a different intro, and now they converged. Oh, so are we going to meet, like, alternate Henry and alternate John, where I'm bald and have a bigger beard, and you're not? You've got long hair and a smaller beard? The sad thing is, when the timelines converged, those alternate versions of us ceased to exist. But it's like, it's as though they never existed, not that they died. Yeah. Well, they did die. No, 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 no. It's like they had never been born like in that one movie with the angel at Christmas time. Oh, uh, Donnie Darko. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that Christmas angel. <laughs> that, Donnie Darko. That beautiful Christmas angel. Oh. Uh, that beautiful Chris Angel. <laughs> beautiful Chris... Do you think... Do, do, do you think <laughs> that Chris Angel is short for Christmas angel? That's... The biggest trick he's pulled so far. He's obscured the second half of his first name. The greatest trick the the Christmas angel ever pulled was convincing you he didn't exist. Yeah. And yet he's right under our noses. Is he still doing, like, little tricks? He's gotta be, because you don't have a B career for being Chris Angel Mind Freak. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't walk around calling yourself Chris Angel Mind Freak to end up being an accountant in some, like, Midwestern town where they don't believe in magic. I'm just saying he doesn't have a lot of resume rewrites. Yeah. He doesn't have, like, Chris Angel CPA. <laughs> Chris Angel Journeyman. He's just, he just has the one resume file, and it's Chris Angel Mindfreak, and when you open it, your computer turns into a dove. Chris Angel colon tax freak. <laughs> tax freak. I'll make your taxes disappear. <laughs> that would be amazing. And then he's like being, he's doing like a perp walk yeah. for helping people cook the books. Oh man. What an incredible Chris Angel original fanfic we came up with. Yeah, that's great. That's going to be a real boost in his Google searches. <laughs> it really is. You know, he needed that bump. Yeah, the zero credits bump of exactly one person. I felt real bad because I was at uh, a Texas institution, maybe an institution in other states, but I do believe you know of it. It's called Half Price Books. Oh, that's definitely a Texas institution. Uh, they're, okay, their books, probably more than half price. I mean, less than half price. Discounted more than 50% is what I mean to say. 
Uh, but their board games are really good yeah. and super cheap. They got them. Like, they have board games that are... I mean, we uh, bought, of course, uh, Disney Codenames, uh, which is the highest level uh, German point-collecting game. I don't even want to... <laughs> respond to anything you just said uh we almost bought eldritch horror oh how horrifying uh but we didn't but when i was there i did see that they had the chris angel mind freak magic kit oh good <laughs> great finally <laughs> some kid can get his mind freaked by himself i uh really wish that i had bought it uh did you ever have one of those magic kits when you were a kid i never did no i i was always interested but i Sadly found out that magic doesn't exist at a very young age when I tried to fly. Oh no. Have I never told this story on the podcast for no, you have for not. obvious reasons? Uh, you can if you want. When I was a young lad, a young lad, let's say at the age of, I don't know, six, mm-hmm. I climbed atop a chair, John. Oh no. A small wooden chair built for a kid my size. Mm-hmm. And I... Had a Batman mask on and maybe a cape, I can't quite remember. And I said, look, Mom, I'm Batman, and jumped from the chair. Oh, no. And landed on my teeth on the coffee table. Ooh, that's no good. Oh, boy, howdy, (laughs) did that hurt? And that's when I learned that Chris Angel is a liar, even though he did not (laughs) exist yet. I've got uh, some real bad news for you, Henry. What's up? Batman, to begin with, can't fly. What are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> what are you saying? You're saying Batman? <laughs> look, yeah. look. Batman can't fly. Not the smartest kid <laughs> growing up. I will say that. You pointed that out to me now. 20, 20, 27 years later, you were the first person to point out to me that Batman man can't fly and therefore the whole premise was fly yeah i mean i don't if you ran it again you might have the same results but uh my my learning i couldn't fly experience is similar in that uh we had a i think i might have told this story on the podcast uh we had a shed in our backyard and me and my brother used to hang out on top of the shed you know hang out climb on top of a shed uh, and one day I was like standing at the edge of the shed and I like, we had this big like wood pile of like loose plywood that was under the shed, uh, under like the, the eaves of the shed. And I was standing there with my arms wide and I said flippantly as a child does to my brother, who's three years older than I. And I said, I'm Superman to which my brother responded, you're just a man, and pushed me from the shed <laughs> into the pile of wood. Wow. And that shaped my worldview. Your brother was your own personal Lex Luthor. <laughs> yes. You're just a man. Shove. <laughs> in, uh, in more ways than one, absolutely. That's we all amazing. have to learn that we're fallible at some point. I recently... Th- th- this is tying in weirdly to nothing I planned on talking about, as mm-hmm. we do... I recently saw the Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Oh. And one thing I learned from that documentary is that Mr. Rogers, although critically successful with his television show, Mm -hmm. always considered himself a failure. Mm. Basically because he wasn't influencing what they were putting on television for kids. Yeah, that was was his big thing, is he wanted to uh, change the way... The world interfaces with children, largely. 
And uh, one thing, like, so he, he he retired the show for a period, tried to do, an, like, an adult sort of oriented uh, show called Old Friends, New Friends. Mm-hmm. Didn't quite reach the same success because, he, I mean, his show really was tailored for, like, a child or for children. Mm-hmm. But what got him back onto the Mr. Rogers program was that an epidemic swept the nation thanks to the super the Superman TV show. Uh-huh. Of kids jumping from houses and oh no and like sheds and, and chairs, thinking that they could fly like Superman. Mm-hmm. And and so he they did a whole week on superheroes basically and and why those tales are fiction and not fact. So it's just a weird thing that we're not we both as children did this. Yeah, we could have benefited from we one, really could have from one Fred Rogers special theme week. On superheroes. I really don't know. I mean, I know a fair amount of Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, because I watched the show a lot when I was a kid. Um, and, of course, we've all seen that, I think it was maybe a Senate hearing where he's imploring them on the the importance of the message that you send and the medium you send it through, especially to children. Uh, but Mr. Rogers had an incredible gift at all times in his program of addressing something that was actually... A, a nationwide problem, like a problem that young people were facing, and he was able to identify that this is a problem if that, if not addressed, could turn into something that is extremely harmful for them physically or harmful to their long-term emotional health, and he would address it on his show from a trusted, reliable voice who would tell you straight up, without lies, what the consequences of your actions were and why you might feel the need to do that. He was great. I mean, they had a whole week on divorce. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like when when they first when they when he came back and started doing the themed weeks of just like covering one topic. I mean, they covered assassination mm-hmm. of Ted Kennedy. Yep. Like it's insane that because I mean, as kids, we hear the news. Our parents watch the news. I asked my my parents during the. Uh, what was his name? Bill Clinton impeachment trials? Mm-hmm. I asked him all sorts of questions about, like, what exactly is happening to the president? And and I actually asked my parents, what is a blowjob? Like, yeah. what are these words that, I, that I'm hearing as a kid? Mm-hmm. And, like, <laughs> what an awkward position to put your parent in, because... I mean, who I... Who wants to explain their, their, to their kid <laughs> what the president... <laughs> no one wants to do that, and I feel like, uh... Being a parent is, uh, being a parent is a thankless job. It's, uh, whatever. Thank you for your service. Uh, being a, <laughs> being a parent is, however, a job with very few qualifications. Uh, anyone can do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. yeah. There, there, uh, but that's also not to like. There's one prerequisite, and that is you partake in the act of becoming a parent. Yeah. And I mean, that's, some people struggle really hard to like have children. And I don't mean to like, uh, denigrate them, but and uh, some people have children and they don't even try. Like, like yeah. I mean, life <laughs> is a really fickle, insane, random chance thing. Being a parent is the most common part or full time job. Oh yeah, and you get you get no money. Mm-hmm. You barely get any thanks because it's like, <laughs> if you're lucky and you give birth to a child like me, you, who secretly is like, well, I never asked to be alive. Yeah. Then, I mean, you, you, 
only gets so much. Yeah. Uh, but I think that since parents are generally ill-qualified to explain certain things to their children, or at least unwilling to, it's important to have a voice that will be honest with kids. And that was Fred Rogers' whole thing. He wanted to be honest which no one was. Yeah, no, it's like let's let's throw a clown on the TV for kids and that'll be entertainment. It's nonsense. It's nothing. Whereas Fred Rogers is like, no, let's put real things in front of them. Let's put lessons and morals and you, you know, and, and like the it's a really good documentary. I highly recommend it. I don't want to go into everything right now cuz I feel like if I explain everything about the documentary, you won't go see it. So go see it if you can. Catch yes. it where you can. Um, and, uh, really experienced the greatness that was Fred Rogers. I also feel like the documentary is something that's sorely needed in our time, uh, when, uh, we're living in a world when, uh, media is untrustworthy and scary. But, uh, I don't feel like that's something we can lit- litigate on the podcast. No, I, we've t- t- we have pledged to take, like, a staunch position on talking about media and, and politics you guys get enough of that elsewhere that we don't want to cover it yeah i mean it's uh it's not our job uh you know what is our job henry talking about how this is our first episode of the summer is it oh the well, solstice technically, technically technically last episode released pet post solstice uh-huh but uh, this is the first one we're recording in the summer oh do, wait hold on does that mean we're cool for the summer. Uh, does that mean that I have to, like... Oh, shit. I have to change my whole persona around. I thought it was still spring. No, it's... We need Summer John. Hold on. Let me go get Summer John. Oh, it's a scorcher out there. Oh, man, it's so hot. Oh, right? my God. I got... I got... I got sweat on my feet. I'm sweating my nose off. Oh, my God. It's like a hot box. It's like my skin is like a frying pan. It's like the sun is right in front of me, and it's holding two hair dryers. I've boiled all of my internal organs and made Scottish food. <laughs> Haggis? <laughs> okay. Yeah. All this heat got me making my own haggis, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, man. Boy, do we. Because we live in the hottest place on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we oh, we live on the surface of the sun, Smash Mouth. Uh, but you know what else we do? What else do we do, Jen? Uh, in addition to not talking about politics and being hot, we always talk about... Sports! It's the one thing, the one constant on the podcast that we're consistently talking about. Our love of the game. Sports. Sports. (laughs) I thought you were going to say sports. You said a different word. That's neither here nor there. What is here? Our love of the greatest game. Sports. Sports. (laughs) What is here, John, is in this podcast, in this episode, it is time... Yes. For World Cup Corner. WKK. Wow. Uh, maybe there's going to be like some music there. There isn't. There isn't. Uh, so, the World Cup. I don't know if you guys know about this, but it's kind of a big deal right now. Yeah, a lot of the people in the world are following it, minus probably a lot of the U.S. <laughs> a, a lot of the U.S., but I mean, this is also the time that the U.S. cares the most about soccer. That's not a, a revelation or anything. That's a thing everyone says at this time of year. The World Cup is, if you'll pardon the expression, the Olympics of feet. Yeah, the Olympics of feet. And as we are a weird sort of conglomeration 
That conglomeration, that's not the word I wanted to use. We record on a Tuesday. Yeah, we record on a Tuesday. We release on a Friday. Uh Uh-huh. So much happens between the time we record and the time we release that as soon as we, as soon as we finish recording the segment, it will be outdated. So if we are talking about something that is like ephemeral or ancient, the chances of it changing in a meaningful way, pretty slim. Unless if there was an episode where I was like, oh my God, I love this guy. Glad he's still alive. Specifically, if I said that and then he died over the next three days, that dates the podcast. That's not a good look. I mean, it's happened before. We, we, we have reported on something, a story that was like breaking on the day. And literally the next day, more things happen and we release on a Friday. Uh-huh. And so we're already dated. So, I mean, we're a snapshot of the time that we live in. And right now we're going to give you the snapshot of the standings of the World Cup. Yeah. So what I want to say, uh, I feel ridiculous because you were giving me a bunch of really good options for World Cup teams to root for ever since I've let go of my darling Germany. And I chose... The great nation of Peru. Peru. And uh, leading up to that Friday, here's how Peru did uh, in those three days. And then before we record, Peru was being crushed. Uh, Crushed horribly. They put up a really good fight. Uh, This is the best a Peruvian soccer team. This is the best Peruvian soccer team they have fielded maybe ever. Uh, They're really good by all accounts. They've been great, but they've been getting crushed by teams that either outperform them or just better. I mean, they're up against some pretty, like... The deck was stacked to begin with. Yeah, I mean, Denmark, France... Have they even... Did they even play Australia? uh, Don't go go there. I want to bring that up. They did. They played them today. Shh. I'll bring it up. You'll bring it up. So, uh, Denmark and France stomped my darling Peru. One nothing. Uh, they, they stomped them bad enough and early enough that it was almost guaranteed they were going to be eliminated. Because FIFA math. I don't know how it works. You get a point for a win, no points if you lose. Hold, Hold on. No, two points if you win? Hold on. John, let me explain this. Okay. In the group stages, it is a point system. Mm hmm. For every win you get, that's three points. Three points. For every tie you get, that's one One point. point. For every loss you get, that's a zero. Yes. And then, if there's ever a tie, it comes down to goal differential. Yes. How many goals like scored, that will be the tiebreaker. Uh, And if that goes into the tiebreaker and that number is the same, it becomes kind of subjective because it goes under better game rules... I don't know what those mean. Well, that, that if if that ever happens, they summon a dragon. It's this whole thing. Play any Fire Emblem game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Peru was stomped pretty handily, and going into Peru's final match, uh, they were up against Australia. Australia, a great team by uh, anyone's measure, uh, even though they've lost <laughs> pretty yeah, much. They haven't. They did not show up this World Cup. I don't think they won a single match. They didn't. Uh, So it was Peru versus Australia, two darling losers. Uh, But they were both... uh, Here here was essentially what was going on. Going into the final match, uh, Peru had almost no chance of saving itself from elimination. This was a match for glory and nothing else. 
Australia, it was their last-ditch effort to remain. Australia had a chance to not be eliminated, go on to face uh, France or Denmark, I think. This was Australia's big chance. Now, I want you to keep in mind, going into the game with Australia, do you know how many, uh, how many World Cup games Peru has won? When's the last time they won a World Cup game? They won... The last World Cup game they won was a 4-1 win over Iran in 1978. 40 years. Peru has not won a World Cup game in 40 years. In 14,625 days. Yes. Why did, why is that? (laughs) Why? So, uh, what Peru went on to do In a game that didn't matter, because there was nothing saving Peru from elimination. Uh, Peru pulled it out. 2-0 for Peru. They won. They brought home a World Cup win for the first time in 40 years. Sadly, Australia was eliminated. But my darling Peruvians did well. Did they... Did they do well enough to claw their way into going on? They're both eliminated. It's France and Denmark. They're both eliminated. The... The game that happened, there were two teams that one, one had a chance of saving itself, the other was gone. Australia probably had a chance if like yeah. Denmark lost to France. That was the that was the hope. If Denmark lost to France, Australia would still be in it. Peru was going out no matter what. Even if Australia won, mm-hmm. Denmark and France tied. Yes. So they would be eliminated anyway. It was a, it was an amazing game because essentially it came down to a team with a little bit of a chance and a team with no chance. It was just pure heart and Peru won and fuck Australia. Yeah, they basically got to play spoiler a little bit, like half a spoiler, to, to ensure that Australia would be kicked out with them. It's a, it's a loser-take-all match. Yeah. yeah, Peru and Australia both eliminated. A big match in which both teams get eliminated. That Not that rare. Uh, and then, uh, Peru was eliminated, so I started looking for a different team. Alright, well, I, I mean, we're in a very exciting time in the World Cup, because this is the time where people are eliminated, mm-hmm. and now we're kind of narrowing down who's going to be in the group of 16. Yeah, and I know that, uh, back, w- the last World Cup that the U.S. was, uh... A part of? A part of. The last one they really showed up at... Uh, they got eliminated late, late-ish. Yeah, they got into the group of 16, I believe. Yeah, they were in the group of 16, and then, and then they turned it over to Germany for my love. Uh, but I don't know if it's right for me to talk about the team that I picked next without talking about your team, of course. Oh, well, my team, of course. My team of Uruguay, La Celeste, the Sky Blue, who is on top! The very top of Group A! Uruguay is killing it. Three! Oh, three victories, zero losses, destroyed Russia with the same score as their win record, 3-0, and Russia got a red card. Boom! That's super important. Uh, It's super important. I saw a picture of uh, Russian fans who had hastily scrawled together a banner that read, The Dream is Dead. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a shame, because Russia's going on. Yeah. Both Uruguay and Russia are are they're going on to the group of sixteen because the top two from each group go on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm super excited. This is the first time any of my randomly assigned teams have gotten to the group stage. I mean, not the group stage, the group of sixteen. 
It's uh, it's very cool. I did not know anything about Uruguay. Apparently, they can make some really good football players. Well, yeah. I mean, you've got you've got uh, Suarez mm. at, or uh, Ty- Tyrana Suarez Rex, as he was known. Uh, for- <laughs> Four to eight years ago, when he bit somebody at the, <laughs> on the world stage, but yeah, we I I, I feel great. This is <laughs> I haven't even sent in the like the money yet to to be to to enter my family thing, but mm-hmm. to know that I'm sending off thirty dollars with a team already in the in the, the the group of sixteen makes me feel wonderful. So uh, what I would like to say is uh, congratulations, Uruguay. Well done. Yeah, seriously. Yo. I forget the chant. <laughs> uh, sh- Yo soy cel- celeste. Shame about Peru. So uh, when I saw that Peru was getting stomped, uh, early on I had created some contingency plans. Some, <laughs> business, con- some business continuation plans, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so I had put all my chips in another uh, small nation's victory. Iceland, eliminated by Croatia. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I, uh, I really wanted the Iceland dream to happen. I did too. It turns out they, they too were eliminated. Pro- today, I think. So I want to say something, and uh, I think this might hold for the rest of the World Cup. What's up? So you're Uruguay. I'm Uruguay. Uh, so I gave two chances. To, to plucky upstarts. All right, so you're you're gonna say that you've earned this. I've earned my choice. Of... I'm going back to the ones that I know. My allegiance remains with Germany. All right, wow, you're gonna be the rich guy on the mountain whose father's gonna buy the whole place and bulldoze it to make room for a hospital, <laughs> and I'm gonna be the plucky. Poor ski instructor who's racing you down the mountain to try to save Ice Town. I've got a choice, though. Oh. I could do what I did when the U.S. was placing relatively well. And I could turn to Germany at the end to make myself feel better. Uh, much like someone you can always run back to between relationships. I feel like I would respect you more. If you chose Germany now, when victory is not assured... Yeah, then win at the end. Then then to pick them at the very end, just like a Humphrey Bogart, I don't know who (laughs) that is, but I'm imagining he's the the rich son of the guy who's going to bulldoze the ski resort to make room for an underprivileged youth uh, library. I think that's fair. So, I want to say... When the Uruguay Russia met Russia, <laughs> Russia's already a- happened. We beat them. Uh, when the Uruguay Germany match happens, that's gonna be some hot shit. I just hope we can record an episode <laughs> before it happens and not after. Yes. Oh, uh, wouldn't it be wild to record an episode while it was happening that or immediately afterwards? Would be insane. I have no idea when the final cup. That's not what they call it. <laughs> the, the World Cup leading to the final cup. I have no idea when they play for that cup, but it is got to be in a couple of weeks because we got to get through the group of 16. You know what's a, 
Hold on. I just want to make this clear. What's that? I think Peru and Iceland were eliminated on the same day. I think they were. It was a rough day for me. You've had a really long day, my friend. <laughs> uh, because I, because I was, I was like, if Peru gets eliminated, it's Iceland all the way. You know what? Was it the same day? It, I, I'm pretty sure it was the same day. Also, my girlfriend's team, Nigeria... Also eliminated yeah. on this day. Oh man, Nigeria was so good. Messi finally showed up. Nigeria was good. Yeah, uh, I was I was rooting for Nigeria. That's a shame. Uh, but that's your World Cup corner. Yeah, I mean, just stick with it. We're gonna do updates. It's still early in the going. We're we're not even the group of sixteen yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we still got we got all the way to like Group F or Group G. I don't know how many groups there are. So this week we'll round out the eliminations. And we'll, we'll follow up with a Group of 16 report that will not be timely. It will not be. Uh, but if you, like us, kind of pay attention to the World Cup, maybe it'll be news. Hey, that's right. <laughs> we're not broadcasting. We're, we're not catering to the people who are, who are Googling World Cup and yeah, no. looking at the results. We're going for all of the people <laughs> who are armchair Googling. We we are not we're not shooting for SB Nation's demo. No, we're shooting for the people who are who are googling. Look, SB Nation or whatever, they're out there for the people who are googling World Cup. Yeah, we are shooting for the people who are googling what is World Cup. <laughs> Why are people talking about football? That's <laughs> not even fall. <laughs> what's a what's a World Cup? What's a what's a soccer? <laughs> They made a cup after Stanley? <laughs> what does FIFA stand for? I don't even know. Football International Fuck. <laughs> football International Football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, fuck if fuck A. <laughs> fuck if fuck A. Yep. Uh, man, they're really corrupt. It's <laughs> super corrupt. It's. Oh, it's unimaginable how these corrupt things just stay around yeah we yeah. we promise not to get political i wasn't getting political it could i was talking about fifa yeah and how what fifa is doing to this country god damn it fifa so i have a uh, question for you is it a good question it might be for a the i'd say the future of the podcast depends on it that sounds like just the amount of stakes i'm ready for uh so i don't know about you uh, but I do have something that I want to talk about. It's neither here nor there, nor is it applicable to anyone who will listen to this podcast. Oh, that sounds like perfect Zero <laughs> Credits content. I'm saying I could talk about it, but if you have th something that you think is important, please speak now or forever hold your peace. I mean, important, John, is a very big word, a very, a very strong word. I do have something to talk about, but do I deem it? Important? That is a loaded question, because this is zero credits. True. Where nothing's important. This is not NPR. Yeah. Okay, so, uh... Let's, let's do a quick battle. Oh. What did you want to talk about? I wanted to talk about... To just even hint at it would give it away, John. Okay, I'll hint at mine. Alright, you hint at yours. The third Austin Powers movie. What? That's not a hint. You're just saying it. Yeah. Fine, I'll, I'll hint at mine. The season finale of Westworld. Okay. I think both of us can have equally meaningful conversations about both. I think we have time for both. Okay, we'll, we'll do Westworld first. Alright. 
The less important one. So as you know, John, because you follow HBO in every show they put out and all of their episode releases, the season finale of Westworld just aired this past Sunday, and boy howdy did they leave a bunch of questions and mysteries hanging in the air like some type of sausage on a stick. Oh boy. You know, dangling that sausage so that people who like meat will follow it to the next season. <laughs> it's almost as if uh, they keep teasing at like a larger philosophical conclusion, but then they're like, or is it? <laughs> well, see, the first season was all about identity and robotics and humanity and what is human. Is free will a, an illusion? The, the answer is it is. The second season was a, was more about, do humans have free will? Uh-huh. And the answer is, <laughs> it's because a TV show's not going to come to any major conclusions about, you know, philosophical things that have been haunting philosophers for years. Yeah. But after the final titillating moments of the show, one Jeffrey Wright. Oh. Who plays uh, Bernard on the show. I don't know if you know this. Oh, I know. Oh, I don't know if you know Bernard. I've seen the first season, mostly. Yeah. Uh, so he... Yeah, he still haven't seen the season finale of season one. Nope. He hopped on a little website known to some insiders called Reddit. Oh, where the creators and cast of Westworld like to say shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then not back it up. Yeah. Actually, we, we can finally talk about another thing they did. But uh, he hopped on for a little Ask Me Anything on the Westworld subreddit, and he was very explicit with his answers. The, the answers to questions that have been haunting people since season one. Oh. Questions such as... Do you wear your glasses that far down your nose in real life, too? Or is that just a trait unique to Bernarnold? Bernarnold? Well, you see... Oh, man, that's like big season one spoilers. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking catch up. I can, ble- I can bleep that out. Yeah, please do. All right. Um, and Mr. Wright. Mm-hmm. Sir Wright. Mm-hmm. He's not British, so he's not knighted. <laughs> he could be. He answered. And I know you've been wanting to know the I, answer to this question. I have been. For quite some time, and I that's have. why I brought it up tonight. When they're down. Uh-huh. The glasses. The glasses. You can read a tablet or phone in your hand, but then look over the rims to avoid walking into glass doors, parentheses, or buses. Wait, holy shit. Holy shit. I never thought about this. It's... This blows... No, Henry. This blows everything wide open. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> He's not nearsighted. He's farsighted. Which means he can see far, but not near. Oh my god. So That's he, why they're down. He needs the... It's kind of like... They're correct. Oh my god. It's kind of like bifocals, if you will. He needs the glasses to see what's in his hand. He can't see what's up close. But he doesn't need them. For far away things. I think I'm just belaboring the definition of farsighted as it's some big secret. You know, they never... That is greatly underrepresented in TV is people who are farsighted. 
Because everyone's... Listen. Because whenever <laughs> people take off their glasses in, like, uh, in a TV... Uh, they always say, oh, I can't see you, you're a, a blur. But what if it's like, I can see you perfectly, can't see my own hand, though. Yeah, I, I mean, realistically, there are three types of sighted people, not three, but th- <laughs> three, three types of sighted people who need glasses. Near-sighted, far-sighted, and Ast- inward-sighted. Well, no, astigmatism. Oh, yeah. The combination of both where it's just like, why am I alive? I've got astigmatism and I'm nearsighted. You don't wear no glasses, though. I wear glasses sometimes. When? Uh, my nearsightedness is good enough that I can see most things. Like, you see that zero credits thing? We, What? That zero credits thing? The one that uh, our good friend Eric made? Yes. Yeah, I see that. I cannot read it from oh, here. I can read it. But I can see it. Okay. Uh, and also I have astigmatism. I mean, it's also obscured by the car mirror. Yeah, but like the top of it I can't read. I have a car mirror. This is my vision test. That I display. I display a car mirror on one of my display boards. Of the car you killed. No, that's my, that's my own car mirror. I knocked The car you killed. I knocked it off on a basketball goal. Nice. In my own driveway. Very good. (laughs) Very good. Anyway. So yeah. He's All farsighted. Of, he's farsighted. All of your major questions addressed. I just, I just, I wanted to briefly get into that. And honestly, I want to recommend Westworld Season 2 because it's wholly different from Season 1. Uh, it's not, who cares if they're robots or not? That That's all Season 1 stuff. Season 2 is like, do they deserve their own version of existence or not basically that's a cool idea my issues with season one started with and always ended with the idea that uh they had very good writers and they kept teasing the idea of talking about meaningful philosophical things especially in the world we live in today and then uh they turned it into stalling for time tv tactics of creating unnecessary mysteries it felt that way this time there's no you know how it's like a spoiler to say there's a twist? Uh-huh. I don't know if there's a spoiler to say there's no twist. Ah, uh, that's great. Yes. I would prefer if there be no twist. This time it's more that they play with timelines and storytelling and point of view, mm-hmm. and the entire season is a circle. Okay. I like that. Kind of like the entirety of Lost. Okay. So, so yeah, I feel like they were playing more with storytelling than, like, withholding, and they I think they realized... From how when Reddit called it from like episode three, what their big plot twist was. Yeah. I think they shied away from doing a plot twist. And even, in fact, uh, at before this season started, the, the writers, uh, husband and wife team of Lisa Joy and... Jo- Vance Joy. No. Writer of Riptide and singer <laughs> of Riptide. Lisa Joy and Jonah Nolan. I think I called him John before and I was wrong. His okay. name is Jonah. Okay. Forgot that. A... Uh, they did an, an Ask Me Anything, and one of the things were like, you know, were you guys upset when we called it right? And they're like, you know, we've battled this, you know, in the writer's room and such. So we, what we came up with is like, would you guys be interested if we did a video that just outlines all of the spoilers of season two mm-hmm. before the season even starts? So like... Kind of like in Game of Thrones, they're like the bookkeepers versus the show watchers. Yeah. There'll be these people who, like, kind of guide conversations without spoiling things. Mm -hmm. That was their whole premise. And then they released a YouTube video that was 30 minutes long. Did it? Did it spoil everything? 
one minute of that video is a promo leading into season two. Uh-huh. Followed quickly by Rachel Evan Wood singing Never Gonna Give You Up. Oh. I forget. While, while someone else plays the... While Clementine from the show plays the piano. Mm-hmm. Very tastefully done. Yes. Followed by the rest of the time. Uh-huh. A puppy uh-huh. sitting at a piano in black and white. That's very good. That's very good. It's very great. I the, like that. The only sad part is at the very end of the video, it says, In memory for Bento, and like the years sort of suggested that might be the puppy in the video. Oh, no. And that made me sad. And then that ended up being a spoiler. Yeah, because for real life, <laughs> for the real life death of Bento. <laughs> oh, but, that's um, sad. So, yeah. I resisted watching this video mm-hmm. the entire season. I knew it existed. My girlfriend knew it. Girlfriend. My fiance, excuse me. Ooh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Months ago. My fiance knew it existed, and she's like, well, we should watch it, right? We should watch it? Should, should we watch it? Mm-hmm. And I said, no. Even though I probably knew it was a joke. Yeah. Because she even came back a few weeks later saying, we should watch it with like a knowing look. Mm-hmm. I held off the entire season. Best way to do it. The season ended. Five minutes pass. My fiance says, so we should watch that video, right? And I was like, I don't even know how to find it. And, she, and like things got quiet for a little while. And then she just puts her phone in front of me. <laughs> nice. And she's like, I think this is it. <laughs> and then that was just it. Yeah. That And, and like, look, great marketing. Great. Yeah. Because... If the writers know anything, they know the the weird economy of Reddit, which is full of cynics, full of assholes, full of really weird people with really weird thoughts on sexuality, and I don't even know why I still go to the site knowing that they they just allow that to happen. Fair. Fair assessment. But there's some good little nuggets of comedy in there, and I, I feel like the writers... Like, they're using that community to just better the show, knowing, like, okay, this is what you think. So this is what we're going to do in response. Okay. It's a weird way to make a show, whereas usually showmakers, we've talked about this, creative types and the fan base, how commutative should they be, Mm -hmm. how much should they curtail, and I think they struck a good balance with Westworld, because it's like what happens in season two is nothing like people sort of even imagined. Uh, It sounds like season two, you successfully like allayed my fears from watching what I have watched of season one, which, to be clear, is everything but the last two episodes. You really need to watch the finale of season one. Because everything that I watched uh, gave me the impression that these were really, really, really phenomenally good writers. Uh, and that they, their talents were being mismanaged. And that made me frustrated and I stopped watching it. But it seems like that's not the case. Well, I feel like in season two, they, they, they penned a little too much on the big reveal, which... To be honest, it, it, it's a very attractive move for, I don't want to say novice writers, mm-hmm. but like if you're, you're going to pitch something to a television studio and you've got this big reveal, I mean, think about Dallas, you know, mm-hmm. the Who Shot JR thing, which carried the entire show. Yes. Or think about Twin Peaks, which is like, who, who did... Who killed Laura Palmer? Well, no, who did Twin... David Lynch Thank and Mark you. Frost. David Lynch. They set up the big mystery and David Lynch and Mark Frost were like, we're never going to address it. And the studio was like, no. Yeah. You, you have, have to. You have to address it. So, so, I mean, like, it would be, a, I, I think that's sort of the pitch they did to get the show 
And it's 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 very much in vain of the original movie that Michael Crichton did mm-hmm. or wrote. I don't know who directed it. Um, so so I think that like all of that was played, and now they're free from those constraints. They don't have to pay homage to the past. They can be their own thing. It's kind of like season one is the pilot, yeah, and season two is like season two of Gravity Falls. I almost feel like, uh, and it's probably not true, but it almost feels like Atlanta, where the first episode of Atlanta was written produced and pitched to a studio to be like it has like weird mysteries and very you've seen atlanta i have not uh the first episode has a lot of like strange very typical peak television mysteries it's shot in a certain way it uses like a very specific storytelling device where the end is the beginning the beginning is the end uh it uses things that at this point have become pretty rote and losty uh and it pitched that pilot and then People bought the rights to it. Then they're like, okay, now we can make the show we want to make. And the show completely changes gears for the better. How do do I watch Atlanta? How do I... Where do I find it? It's on Hulu, I think. So I have to watch it with commercials? There... Yeah. Is it worth it? Atlanta's one of the best shows I've seen in a long, long time. All right. Atlanta's great. It's worth the Tide commercials and the... Yes. I don't feel like I saw commercials. Where the fuck did I watch Atlanta? It's gotta be Hulu. I, it only makes sense on Hulu, I, I think. But uh, yeah, it was really good. I would highly recommend and recommend Atlanta. There's three seasons. Uh, two. I think they just finished two. Maybe they just started three. I don't know, man. I've only seen the first one because my Hulu subscription run out. I just used my fiance's mom's. That's a good plan. And I used my friend's HBO account. Uh, what's your friend's mom's password? Not oh, your fiance's mom's. I, What's I, your fiance's friend's mom? <laughs> I don't feel okay giving out passwords. That's fair. So yeah, that wraps up my Westworld thing. I really, when I saw the the AMA, the Ask Me Anything on Reddit, and I saw they asked that question because I don't know if it ever made it onto the podcast. But every time I talk about Westworld, you always bring up Jeffrey Wright and his glasses. No, for real, that is mind blowing to me. Uh, and we were talking a little bit about. Uh, the the ability of the writers for Westworld to seemingly now address uh, more important things and also respond to feedback from the fans and potentially grow from that feedback. Uh, and I want to posit to you something that I believe is the exact opposite. Austin Powers 3. Gold member. The one that I saw in theaters. Yes. The one that made me question censorship and nudity. Yes. For unrelated reasons. I, uh, so I saw Austin Powers' gold member because I'm trying to live a life where... This uh, is an odd (laughs) sentence. No, no, no. Uh, it'll make sense. I'm trying to rent more movies. From, like, Redbox? Specifically from I Love Video. What is that? I Love Video is, I think, the oldest, still currently operating video rental store in Austin, Texas. Are you trying to keep the video rental industry afloat they're, by yourself? They're doing fine. You pay them like two bucks a month, or whatever. Oh, oh no, it's, it's two bucks a rental. Okay. It's, it's two bucks a rental. It's really cheap. It's all physical media. They have like 50 VHSs. more than a red box. Yes. Which is out front of my HE. Yes, exactly. They have, uh, like, tens of thousands of movies. They have, like, director walls. Basically, it's like a weird, like, cinemaphile place to go. And And I love it. They had a whole section dedicated 
to the films of Mike Myers. So uh, we got the only Austin Powers movie they had because my girlfriend had not seen any of them and wanted to understand uh, their cultural significance. And uh, not only do I... I don't think the Austin Powers movies are good to begin with. Uh, what They're whatever. Um, but... It really brings up two points, and there might not be time enough to discuss them. Oh, we've got plenty of time. Uh, the first point that I would really like to discuss about Austin Powers as a movie franchise is the fact that the third Austin Powers movie does something that comedies do a lot. Specifically, comedies do this, and this is maybe a micro point herein. But, like, you know when other movies have sequels... They tend to be continuations of a story. Yeah. Generally. Uh, g- generally, like, uh, so How to Train Your Dragon 2, time skip, but we're still with the same village, the same characters, and a new scenario. A new scenario that is told with seemingly the same amount of, like, bona fides that the previous story was told, just with potentially more money. A- and yet, little in the way of repeated lines or jokes yes which i think this is the point you're getting at comedies fall to shit when they have to make a sequel because comedy is uh and this is someone who like does comedy and loves comedy above all else as an art form comedy is an art form with a lot to prove and a lot of insecurities if a comedy tells a story in one movie it's spent it's done it should be done like a, it should be over and i think that you can make a sequel to a comedy work but it tends to be that if you make a sequel to a comedy you are just making you are like propping up a corpse weekend at bernie style and making it go through the motions again and that is an effect that is exponential because Austin Powers 3, the original Austin Powers is not a fraction of Austin Powers 3. The original Austin Powers is the cube root of Austin Powers 3. That is a (laughs) nerdy-ass joke. But if you look at what Austin Powers in Goldmember is, it is... I was watching this every single thing that was said. It's been more than a decade since I've seen an Austin Powers movie. Every line that is said rings as though it is a direct, bald-faced reference to another thing that was said previously. And having not watched those movies in a while, it is fucking surreal to see a movie written that way. It's unbelievable. It's like you're in a nightmare. Austin Powers' Three Gold Member is probably one of the most self-aware movies of all time. It knows it is the third movie and a series of comedy movies. And, and like, the branding of humor, which is very, very wordplay. Mm-hmm. Very, not not high concept, because the concept is very easy to grasp. Yes. But, like, like it, it's sort of elevated just a bit. Uh-huh. It, it's somewhere in between intelligent humor and dumb humor. It's not straight-up slapstick. It's not straight-up just, like, fart jokes. Those yeah, are there. Absolutely. But there's this weird elevation about it. But then all of a sudden you cut to a music video of It's a Hard Not Life. Yes. Uh, I feel I feel like Austin Powers 3 doesn't exist on a spectrum between highbrow, lowbrow. I feel like Austin Powers 3, if you separate it from... If you separate it from its franchise, it's a surrealist masterpiece. Let me... 
you've probably you probably remember this, but let me run you and the listeners through uh, the beginning of Austin Powers Three Gold Member, and you try to tell me what this narrative is communicating. It starts with a high octane chase scene between a uh, I think it's a Porsche. No, it's a Jaguar because the license plate says Shagwar, and it's printed with the Union Jack, so you know that's Austin Powers. You can see Austin Powers driving it. And there's like a Black Hawk helicopter that's like chasing him and shooting at him, and he's like using all these gadgets. It's very expensive, right? Well, yeah, that's the direct parody of James Bond. Yeah, it's a direct parody of James Bond, and then... uh Austin Powers turns around, it's Tom Cruise. It says Tom Cruise as Austin Powers. That's right. And then it's Kevin Spacey as uh, Dr. Evil. And it's all these, like, big-name celebrities taking on the characters in the movie adaptation of Austin Powers' life. The movie adaptation of this super spy. Then it goes... To Steven Spielberg, who is watching this on a screen. He turns to the viewer. He turns to the viewer and says, So what did you think? It turns around. It turns out the viewer is Austin Powers. At this point in the film, in this very short, like, 30-second period of time, your point of view and your perception has turned upside down three times. Right? Right. And it's not over. Austin Powers is like, oh, I like it, but I have some notes. Goes back to Steven Spielberg, who has an Oscar in his hand. And he says, I think my friend would like to disagree. And there is an obnoxiously loud ting sound effect with a little, like, lens flare on the Oscar. And then Austin Powers proceeds to stand up from, uh, like, a director's chair while the actual credits to the film start playing. As he, like, is just dancing around through a series of, like, increasingly strange, unbelievable vignettes where, like, famous people are androids sent to kill him, but they explode, and they're just in the movie for no reason, and there's a bunch of weird intertextual and, like, intermedia references, and then... He's, like, dancing in front of a bunch of people, right? The camera is locked on his face. And then, in, like, a weird Spike Jones thing, it stays locked on his face, but Austin Powers, the face you're locked onto, starts to float and drift away from the people behind him, almost like he's flying away from them. And then the movie starts. It's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's a movie that seems to have been made... By, like, an algorithm. Like, something that doesn't understand how to communicate information successfully. It's the Robotnik version yes. of, of an Austin Powers movie. It's, it's completely unbelievable that it exists because it is so referential and so snake-eating its own tail. Full recursion has occurred. It is no longer what it originally was. When you set out... To make a third Austin Power movie. I feel like you head into the writer's room, if there is one. Yeah. With the full intention of, well, in the sequel, we turned it up maybe to eight. Yeah. They gave us the green light to do another one. Mm -hmm. We're breaking the dial. Yeah, when, when they made the third Austin Powers movie, the assumption, I must assume, because it was, it came out in 2002. Which, that's another thing I'll get to that's insane. But it came out in 2002, and 
when it came out, the assumption was Austin Powers had been such a cultural movement. You've probably seen the previous two. If you haven't, you're aware of all of the jokes. Uh, because it has such a, a permanent stamp on culture at this time. The assumption when you make that movie is people know what they're in for. Yeah. If you made a movie without any anything before it, and your assumption was, oh, the audience knows, you'd make an insane movie. You'd make nonsense. And that watching the third Austin Powers movie this far removed is total nonsense. It is the most ridiculous thing, and Beyonce is in it. Yeah. Beyonce! Yes, well, this was before she was... Yeah, but it's Beyonce! Yeah, but this was before she was like... Look, a weird thing happened around 2010... When stars of a certain level became untouchable. Yeah, it, it's insane to see something that, like, we've... Come... Like, Kanye would never be in Austin Powers 4. Yeah. But, like... Probably. Dial it back to 2002. Uh-huh. If Kanye was around, he would have been in Austin Powers 3. If you, if you like, watch it now, if you see this person that we've, like, been conditioned to hold up on, like, a pedestal as an icon for so many different things both like artistically and socially uh, and emotionally for our country and she is getting like humped by Vern Troyer for a joke it feels like you're watching a movie from another dimension it, it, it's a it's from a weird time period where, when like celebrities were celebrities sure but now like Beyonce is I forget what they call her the Queen Bee Queen Bee I mean she's she's got a cult basically of uh-huh. of followers you know it, it it's weird because it's a movie out of time mm-hmm. for several reasons it doesn't even belong in the time that it, that it came out in yes it belongs in some weird post-time world where movies are a weird looking glass into what is creativity what is jokes what is what like how do you make three comedy movies there's a reason they didn't make a ghostbusters three yeah nor, well, the second was pretty good. You know, that's almost, that's how you do a comedy sequel. Two. Yeah. At most. You can do a two. Are you th- trying to think of a three? No, no, no. Good? I, I, whenever we talk about comedy movies, I always, by default, fall back to the scientifically proven funniest movie of all time, Airplane. Uh-huh. Averaging about a laugh a minute. Mm-hmm. There was an Airplane 2. There was. No one saw it. It was not good. It wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Comedy movies are lightnings in a bottles. Lightnings in a bottles. And like to you, you bottle the lightning. It's there. Everyone can see it. And people ask you to, whoa, you did one bottle. Why don't you do two bottles? And that requires you lifting the lid from the bottle mm-hmm. to try to like hold another bottle over it. And so some of that lightning's going to escape. Yeah, so there's only going to be a little bit in the second one. Yeah. And then the third one is just a picture of the second one. The picture of the, yeah. Yeah. It's diminishing returns. Yeah. These are great metaphors. Uh, Comedy movies don't stand up to sequelization for the most part. They don't. I would highly recommend, uh, this is something that I like to embark on every once in a while as a journey, is to experience something out of time. Uh, I had this thing for a while where I'd go on Netflix and watch the very first, followed by the very last episode of popular sitcoms. Yeah. Uh, which was insane. Uh, because if you get to see, you get to see something pay off 
with none of the loading of the spring beforehand. No build-up. Because when you see something, like, offload all this emotion for either, like, humor or, like, to be sad or just cathartic and you've had none of it, it's very alienating. As it should be, like, it, so if you, for for instance, were to watch the first episode and the last episode of Friends, nine years pass. Yeah. So that's nine years of emotion and tension and conflict and being resolved and lifted. And the finale of, like, a sitcom is always a farewell, always a goodbye. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a... It's a a fond farewell? That's what they call it. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it's like a, a light farewell. And if you are out of the loop mm-hmm. on that, it means nothing to you. Yes. And it's bizarre because, the, you know, they'll always do like a throwaway line at the end. You know, like, a, oh, yeah, remember, you know, like a catchphrase, basically. Yeah, they're like, oh, you sure do love your spaghetti. And then everyone laughs and then like Green Day's Good Riddance plays and then the credits start rolling. Yeah, it's if you if you separate yourself from something like that, I almost feel like I gained more watching the third Austin Powers movie all by itself. It it gave me a lot of really interesting thoughts. Well, mainly how comedy sequels don't work and they should never do them. Yeah, and also the idea that like if you a lot of what goes into art and a lot of what makes art digestible is your presumption of the audience's knowledge base like uh one of the one of the classic things you can do to create a scene that's dynamic is to start in media res you know you start in the middle of something already happening so then people go oh what's happening you're instantly in it but if you somehow were able to create a movie that was like in franchise res like the first movie is assumed to be the second or third in a franchise, not in a hokey way, fully understanding. It would be a lot, hear me out, it would be a lot like that short-lived Fox sitcom Mulaney. Oh yeah? Uh, because one of the problems with that show, uh, which led to its low ratings and John Mulaney has admitted to such, is like, he was the principal writer on it. And a lot of his ideas ended up going through and there wasn't a lot of compromise. But he had been writing these for a long time. So in his mind, the story was progressing at a normal pace. But when people were watching an episode every week, they're like, why is there a ghost? (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I think that's a lot of checks with no balances, you know? Yeah. He he was a veteran writer from SNL, venerable career as a stand-up. Yeah, we're going to trust him. But maybe sometimes you need that back and forth. Yeah, if you lock someone in the room with a story for months, they lose an idea of how it's paced. Yeah, that's why we have editors. Yeah! That's why books have editors. That's why editors exist. And also to turn spellings of words into numbers. What? Generally. What? Generally. What do you say? Spellings of words into numbers? Like if you spell out eight, E-I-G-H-T, traditionally... Most copy editors will turn that into just an an eight. John. Traditionally. One through ten. Spelled out. Okay. Anything above ten, number. That's fine. What about thirteen? Number. Thirteen's a fun word to see spelled out. Only if it's like a Sherlock Holmes novel. (laughs) Okay. Do you you spell out thirteen? Let me run an editor thing by you. All right. I've got a novel. (laughs) 
<laughs> you, well, no, hypothetically? No, no. Hypothetical novel. Sure. And I want to call that novel, I don't know, 16 Candles. Okay. So, you want to call the novel 16 Candles? Yes. The novel. Yeah. You spell out 16. You spell out 16. Because it is it is one of the two <laughs> words in the title. Okay, but hold on. Then they go to make the movie. What if... Oh. What if I want to make a movie called The Number 23? Would you spell out 23? <laughs> well, see, this is a movie. Uh-huh. Yes. The editor in me wants you to spell out the word because it's in the title. Uh-huh. I know for a fact they did not do that. Uh-huh. I don't know. have an answer for you. What if I wanted to call a like a Netflix series 13 Reasons Why? You can do whatever you want. It's Netflix. There's no rules. True. What if I wanted to call a book 1776? Well, that's a <laughs> year. That's fine, John. Okay, that's fair. I, I don't know. I like to see words spelled out. See, here, here's Not the long words, though. Like seven. Here's the thing about English. And here, here's the real editor's secret. There's no rules. This language was, was put together without rules... Rules were imposed on it later, and a lot of them don't make sense because they were imposed on it later. Our language evolved without rules. It's not Latin, which also evolved without rules just because it's a dead language. Mm -hmm. It has rules. Mm -hmm. Every language has no rules. Okay. So language is evolving. Yeah, it's a live creature of a thing. And to suggest otherwise, to impose a set of iron bars around it, is to kill it off like Latin. Well, I'm looking forward to the release of my novel, uh, 13 Reasons, uh, the 23. <laughs> where, where, where it's the, the numeral one, <laughs> the word, 13. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, it's actually one and then a Q, and then I spell out 84. <laughs> one Q84 throws me for a loop. As a book? Or as a title. Both. Yeah. But that's neither here it's nor actually, there. It's actually QT84. QT84. Because the Q stands for alternate. Uh-huh. Why did she come <laughs> up with that? Uh, who is she? She is the character. Oh, you're right. The character yeah. comes up with the Q concept. I, I was like, do you think Haruki Murakami is a No, no, no. That'd be crazy. No, no. That'd be he's crazy. De <laughs> he's Look. dead? Oh my god. <laughs> Man, I, so much time passes hold on. between these podcasts. I was gonna say, the way that guy writes about erections, he has to be a guy. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say, the way that guy writes about erections, he has to have had one. <laughs> <laughs> I've read two. I've read two of Murakami's books. One uh -huh. Q84 and Spudnet Sweetheart. In both books, a male character experiences a very intense erection, the likes he's never experienced before, and I just have to wonder, what is up with that? It's actually a motif across all of his books. <laughs> uh, if you put them all together, it's uh, the Erection Trilogy. <laughs> it's a fan title. I just, I like, I don't know. I like his books. They're magical in a way that I don't think an English writer can write. Yeah, our language has too many rules. No, it but, doesn't. <laughs> fuck you. About putting cues uh, in things. Look, a U comes after a Q, unless it's Iraq. Hold on. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure there's another word, right? Oh, there's tons. Oh, QI is a word, right? Well, <laughs> according to the... Quee. According to the... What was, what was that? 
Scrabble dictionary. Yeah. Thank um, God for the Scrabble dictionary. It's got super foggy. That's fair. You know, I feel, I feel like it's time. It's in. totally fine to be foggy because it is time as hell to end the episode. Not really. We started at 22 minutes. That's fine. Uh, we usually go for like an hour. This will be pared down. Yeah. We'll be so good. You know what else is good, Henry? That's exactly what I was going to say. Social media shit. Yeah, social media shit is good, I guess. Uh, it has a net uh, negative on the world, but you can interact with it. Uh, the most old school way you can interact with it is, of course, sending us an email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Do you think we would have gotten like more market penetration if we didn't have a Gmail address like a at zero credits.com? We would need a domain name for that, John. True. You know, people really come to the podcasts for the email addresses, I find. I find that that is also true, and we're really missing out on a huge percentage you know what we're not missing out on though we're not missing out on those twitter followers because we at zcpcwhj on twitter.com which stands for henry we're still doing this bit uh zeitgeist comes paloma comes what (laughs) jibbin all right, and uh, yeah, so we're not missing out on those Twitter followers because we have one of the most uh, iconic Twitter usernames of all, an acronym. And we stream video games sometimes on twitch.tv slash zero credits. We really did knock it out of the park with that one. That's really the closest to being on brand we have with any of our social wait, media. Wait, wait, wait. What's wrong with zero, pod- <laughs> zero credits is a podcast? <laughs> I feel like that's very... That's very on brand. It's descriptive. It's descriptive. GCP has a Gmail account. But, I mean, they're always like, hey, send questions to questions at zerocredits.questions or whatever. They say questions. I don't know what they say. I don't actually listen. Let's keep going with this. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Zero Credits on the Facebook search bar. Haven't said that in a while because Facebook is off notice because the world has forgotten about your crimes. And if you want the world to forget about your crimes, you can like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. I don't know if you can do all three of those, but the most important thing is that you rate us for real. Uh, Rating in the iTunes store is the fastest way that we can get attention from all of our loved ones, which are people we haven't met yet. Uh, Much like certain churches, we declare that we love people without ever having met them. And you know what's great? If you've got people that you love, people you've met, uh, they might be the same people. They might be different people. Uh, If you want to just scream at a stranger, that's perfectly fine because word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. You sound like trying to do like a slant rhyme. Oh, you sounded like a an airplane stewardess. Not stewardess. What do they call those people now? Flight attendant. Uh huh. Oh my god, my brain is so antiquated. It's fine. You sounded like a, a flight attendant doing the safety speech toward the end and please put your seat belts in the upright and locked put i've never uh been on an airplane word of the mouth is the only way we can survive so the most important thing i know i said the other thing was the most important thing but tell your friends network send out business cards we don't have business cards but if you made some that would be nice I believe there are certain websites that give you promotional free business cards. So if you made those and then gave them to your friends and lied and said it was your podcast, people would probably listen. 
That's a weird tactic, but we'll see how it plays out. Speaking of never being on a plane before, I'm going to be traveling next week. Oh, shit. So, Is this an old-fashioned putting some news in after the after the social media plug? Yeah, it's a little, little, little post-app announce time. You were the whole time. But that's not even the twist. You were What? You were you're going to bleep out a lot. Watch season two. Okay. Uh, so. Oh, let's go to Japan world. Okay, so you've seen the promotional material for season two. Anyway, hold on. I'm not going to be here next week, so I won't be on the podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, John might do an episode. Thinking about it. He's thinking about it by himself. Maybe he'll have a guest. I'm I'm pulling some strings. He's pulling some strings. Maybe, I'm honking some udders. Maybe he'll do like I did. When John couldn't be on the episode and I just talked to myself and got really weirdly introspective and sad, see the first less than zero for that. If you, if that content enticed you, if a sad Henry enticed you, go to that first less than zero, re-listen to it. It's a very good time. But from everyone here at the Zero Credit Studios, we just want to wish, 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 wish. <laughs> Do you want to take that, like, one more time? Nah. Okay. You know, I did learn something pretty cool. What'd you learn? I might have access to the lost recording of John being super drunk on Jameson in a hotel room reading poetry for an hour and 40 minutes. That would be cool. I might have access to that. I might. I might. If you did it, we could bill it as a lost episode. It's really... I mean, I remember it being fun. It was during a strange time, uh, and I remember that I aired a lot of grievances. About the podcast? No, just about life, and uh, I read, uh, I also, it was a, that's a weird trip. Okay. It's a weird trip. I'm gonna... I listened to all of S-Town while I was drunk in an empty bathtub. It was, empty? <laughs> yeah. Oh. We should end the episode. We should. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>